And uh, we're very happy about that. I'm wearing the Christ Fellowship shirt this week. Um, Christ Fellowship is one of the churches that helped us uh, on our journey. I'm trying to wear t-shirts from all the churches that have helped us over the coming weeks. My wife said it's just a big ruse so I can wear t-shirts <laughs> along with my shorts, but whatever it takes. We probably got the next 10 years worth of weekends covered just in church shirts. I am going to uh, talk today about being hard-pressed on every side. Not in a series right now, just sort of trying to speak to these events as we are moving through them together and, and sort of, you know, see how we can deal together through the process because there's so many things going on. So I'm going to talk today about being hard-pressed on every side, which I think, uh, you know, Hurricane qualifies us for that. But before we get there, let's do uh, a couple of bad jokes. Uh, Joey, as he was growing up, his father had a really messed up sense of humor. And uh, so the, the father loved to tell Joey and his brothers and sisters stories before bedtime. And his favorite was the Peter Pan story. And yet somehow at the end of every story, Joey's father would find a way for Captain Hook to win instead of Peter Pan and, and somehow gruesomely like kill Peter. Um, uh, fortunately, though, Joey uh, didn't inherit his father's deadpan sense of humor. <laughs> A computer once uh, beat me at chess, but it was no match for me at kickboxing. Maybe it's just me, but is it wrong that only one company makes the game Monopoly? <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So what do we do when we're hard-pressed on every side? First thing that you need to do, and hopefully you're already doing this, and if you don't get anything else out of today, make sure you're doing this. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Psalm 50, the psalmist says this, verse 15, speaking uh, as the Lord, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. 
The psalmist is saying there that it actually honors God when we call out or cry out for His help because it shows that we're depending on Him. It shows that we're trusting in Him. It shows that we understand that we desperately need Him in our lives. And so we're to call out to Him, cry out for Him whenever we're going through situations. Now, those of you that have been coming for a while, I taught you a prayer some time back, but there's some new folks, and I know that. And this is a very important prayer. I call it the anxiety prayer, and you should know this. If you don't know this, I want to encourage you to write, write this down, because this is one that you need to know for these situations. So, so get ready. The anxiety prayer is this. Help! Some of you know it. Very good. Good job. I'm glad you know that. Listen. If you don't have a lot of prayers in your, in your kit, that one should be one that you have. That one should be one that you use all the time. It's that simple. And yet, the psalmist actually tells us it honors God. It reminds us of how desperately we need Him. We cry out, help, and, and He gets it. And so we move in that, in that situation. So I want you to be crying out to Him because we need Him. And also, the writer of Lamentations said this, uh, chapter 2, verse 19, Arise and cry out in the night. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. I want you to see, he says, cry out in the night. Cry out all through the night. And, and, and here's why. Perhaps you've noticed this, but when you're being hard-pressed, it generally impacts the way that you sleep. Anybody else here having trouble sleeping uh, during the night, during this period of time, you notice that you're not sleeping like you used to. Okay, part of the reason for that is that we, we're, we're sort of suppressing things throughout the day. We're pushing things down because we're, we're looking at situations that are so overwhelming that we can't constantly deal with them, so they, you, you, you sort of begin to filter them out. Like, do you remember, uh, you know, seven or eight weeks ago, when, for those of you that came back very quickly after the storm, when you first got in, how overwhelming it felt? Everything that you saw, it was just, it was just, it was, but over time, that sort of changed, well, the reality is you're still seeing those things with your eyes, but you're processing differently, and, and because we just can't constantly deal with it, you sort of push them down. But they have a tendency to pop out in the middle of the night. That's what happens. You go to sleep, and they just start coming all up all over again, and it impacts the way that you sleep. So here's, here's what you need to do. The, the, the writer of Lamentations said, well, cry out to the Lord in the night. So you cry out to God when, when you wake up you, you, and just sort of share with Him your emotional, God, I'm hurting about this, or I'm, I'm so sad about that, or I'm so overwhelmed by that, or I'm so burdened by this. And you just cry those things out to the Lord. You pour out every emotion you've got to Him, and He wants you to do that. Just open your heart up to Him, and He will meet you there, and you will find that it will help you in, in your sleep. Because rather than just, because I, I wake up and I just start letting my brain spin and then I can't get back to sleep. And I, I, he wants us just to give it back to him in the process. As you do that, you, you get this second thing. You know that God is with us and for us. And I want you to make sure you write that individually. God is with me and for me. You need to know that about him. He's with you and he's for you. Isaiah 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, last week, we, we touched on what I'm going to talk about. I talked last week about cause and effect thinking. 
And when we undergo and deal with loss in our lives, we, we, have, a, we have this thing where we start to look for a, a reason or a cause or an explanation. It's like, you know, we, well, I've got to figure out why this happened. Why, why, why? And so we're looking for something to sort of settle on, an explanation, a reason. But the reality is that explanations don't help. And, and it's not really what we need. You don't really need an explanation. What you really need is more of the presence of God in your lives and more of His peace and just more of Him. So you need His presence. And the, the thing that we have to understand is one day we will sort of get why everything is the way it is and how it all works together. There's a time that will come when, when we'll be able to grasp the enormity of everything that happens around us. But currently we're very finite in the way that we think and our brains just aren't big enough to grab a hold of everything that's going on around us and and see here's the thing God he, he hasn't promised you an explanation for why everything happens in the world but he's promised something better than an explanation and what he's promised is is that you don't have to go through these things on your own Hebrews 13 5 God has said Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See, better than an explanation or a cause is the reality that God is with you no matter what you're going through. And that's far better for you than anything else that you can imagine. He is never going to abandon you. And, and even when we're going through difficult situations, see, sometimes we're, we're tempted to think that, that God has forgotten us in the midst of this whole process. You know, I, I often talk about the Psalms here and the, the Psalm, the writers of the Psalm would cry, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken us? He, he hasn't forgotten you and He's with you. See, it's impossible for God to forget you because He created you to love you. Um, you were made to be loved by God. So He is always with you and He is always for you. God loves you. So I want you to make sure that you, you get that, that, that you know that He's with you and that He's for you. And I want you to tie it all together with this. Third, there's more to the story. There's more to the story. This, this is not the end of the story. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then he goes on, verse 14, he says, because, we're all those things, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Paul said, look, the things that we're going through aren't, aren't going to stop us because we know that God is good and we know that he's not finished with us yet. And, and I want you to know that, that, that you know, and understand that no matter what you've experienced, no matter what's been broken, it can be restored in Him because this is not the end of His story. Did you... So, and let's see how, how we do with this. So did you ever get so tense or worked up when you were reading a, a book of some sort that, that you, you needed to see how it ended before you could go on? So now I've had people and, they, and I said... So, so like I have read books 
And, and I get through them, and the, the tension that it's causing me is so great that I, I can't deal with it. I'm not enjoying it. I don't like all those tension moments. I have enough, I feel like enough tension in the world. So I do that. So, so I, I will read to the end to see how it all works out. Anybody else ever do that? Anyone? And the rest of you aren't telling me the truth. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not judging you, and I promise. So, so when, you, when you sort of know the ending, if you're dealing with that, process, the tension level goes down. And it particularly goes down when you know that the story ends well. And so, see, here's the deal. You can go to the end of his book and his story, and what you find out is at the end of this temporary life, there's an eternal one. And for believers in Christ, we can rest in the promise of eternal life. And see, when you know that the ending is good, you can be at rest. Which is why I, I want you to be in relationship with, with Jesus. I don't want you guessing about the end of the story. Say, I want you to be a part of his story. Because then you find rest. I remember years ago, and so this was a lot of years ago, um, there was a movie that came out called Dancing with Wolves. Some of you have heard of that story. And, and uh, I heard it was a great movie. There were a lot of people talking about it, but I didn't get a chance to see it at the theaters. And one of the things that I'd heard anyway is that it didn't end well, had a bad ending. And I don't, I don't like bad endings. So um, at some point, I was able to watch that movie at my house. So it was probably on the Betamax. I don't even know anymore. The VHS. I was talking about that last night and realized there was a whole group of people among us that have never had to rewind anything. <laughs> Think about it. Just, re what do you mean rewind? What do you rewind? It saves you a dollar. You know, you got to rewind this silly thing before you take it back. <laughs> and then it would take forever, so... And they actually even made a machine for it. Do you remember? Oh, I'm fancy. I got the special rewind machine. I just used to give them the dollar. I was always four days late with the movie anyway. What was another dollar at that point? I was paying $19 for the thing. I digress. I'm watching this movie, Dancing with Wolves. It's a really long movie, as I remember. And um, I remember being told it had a, a, a bad ending, but I'm watching it, and um, I watch quite a bit of it, and I get to a spot in the movie where everything's pretty good. He's, you know, he's good, and he's with somebody, and that's good, and they're doing pretty well, and everything looks pretty good, so you know what I did? I turned it off. <laughs> Great movie! Yes! <laughs> Woo! Hit rewind. Get it out of here. I don't want to see the rest. I don't, I don't like, I, I like good endings, see, I, I, I don't want to deal with bad endings, and, and that matters to me in, in life, and, and see, here's the promise, is that your story ends well in Christ, and if you have not connected your story with His, I want to encourage you to do it today. I want you to be at rest knowing that there's a good ending in store for you. It's not something I want you to have to guess about or think about or go, well, maybe it's okay. I don't want it to be that. I want you to know. See, that, that's what we talk about here when we, we talk about the good news or, or, or the gospel, the good news. And, and so there's good news because there's bad news. The bad news is that all of us have been separated from God because God is perfect and we're not. All of us have sinned and, and our sin has caused this chasm between us and God. Now, the culture would try and tell you that what you do is you just be a good person. That's all you need to be. Well, I'm a good person, and so God and I are okay. That's what the culture tells you, but that's not what the Scripture tells us. And the Scripture says that this issue exists and that we can't fix it in our own strength. 
So what happens? The good news is, and we're about to get into all of it because Christmas is coming, is that Jesus came. Fully God, fully man, Jesus entered the scene. And he lived the perfect, sinless life that none of us could. And then he willingly went to the cross on our behalf, where he exchanged his life for ours. He defeated death, and then he rose again. That's the good news. And now all of us, because of what Jesus has done, can be reconciled to God. Because what he's done, and God will then see us as believers in Christ um, through the perfection of his son. It's called being justified, just as if we'd never sinned. That's the good news. Our part in the whole deal is to believe that Jesus has done that for us. Believe in our hearts that he did that for us. And confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And once we've done that, our story is connected with his, and we have a good ending. And I want that for you. When I, when I wrap up today, I'll give you an opportunity to pray a simple prayer, those of you who would like to, that make that connection so that you know. And so you'll see that's coming at the end. I'll do it at the very end, and, and I'll make it just between, you know, you and God, and, and you'll see how we do it, and, but that's coming right at the end, all right? I won't call you out or anything, but I want you to know that, see, once you're in Christ, your story ends well. Once you know that, you can stop thinking about just the here and now, and you can start living in the light of eternity, and that changes everything, see, because this is not all there is. You know, at the most, we get 100 years on this planet. I, you know, I'm, I'm rounding off. I, may, I hope you get more, I guess. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what that looks like, but, but probably that's when some of you think, plenty. Um, but you get 100 years. But in eternity, you get trillions and trillions of years, unendless quantities of years. And, and see, this, this, this time that we're in right now, this is practice for the game. And, and I want you to see it that way. And I, I was thinking this week about um, playing football in high school, which I did 40 years ago. Unbelievable, right? Because you go, you don't look that old. And yet... No, I know you didn't say that. You're like, really? Only 40? You sure it wasn't 50, Steve? Come on, get honest. <laughs> 40 years ago. And I lived in Michigan. And they take football very seriously in Michigan. And uh, so, so as the school year would approach, they would start making us practice for football. And they had these horrific things called two-a-days, where you actually had to go twice a day to practice. Like once wasn't enough where they just beat you to death. They'd, oh, now come back, and we're going to do it all over again. And this was a time, this was in the 70s, uh, the, and, and they didn't believe in giving you water when you trained. Really weird, right? And you'd be cramping and Charlie Horson and the coaches would be like, yeah, man up. And you'd be like, ah. So, and I just remember it being dry and being so, your dirt and your, the practice fields were horrific. And, just, and, and, and so practice was hard. The, the thing that I liked about practices were there, you would scrimmage sometimes. So it was kind of like the game. So you would get a taste of it, but that wasn't the most of it. For the most part, i got to tell you honestly, I just wanted practices to be over, but I practiced because the game would make it all worthwhile. There was something about the game that made all of the practice worthwhile. There was just something about the games coming that made it all worthwhile. And, and, and see, here's the deal. You, you'd go through this life for the next one. And everything that you endure now is going to be worth it then. You're going to get taste of the game now, but you'll experience fully in the life to come. And, and so when we begin to understand that we're living in the light of eternity, things begin to look different because we don't have to try and make everything happen right now because this is not all there is. There's more 
to the story. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, Paul says, because of all of this, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want you to live in the light of eternity, the things that you're going through. And today, listen, cry out to God. If you didn't get anything else, cry out to Him in the midst of everything. Remember that anxiety prayer. Use it a lot. Help. Know that He's with you and that He's for you and that this is not the end of the story. There's a lot more coming. And, and we're going to be amazed to see what God does and what He's doing in the midst of our lives. And then at one point, for all of us who live Him, we get to enter in and just be in His amazing presence forever. And everything is different then. And I want you to hang on to that hope in the midst of everything else that's going on uh, on this journey. So I'm going to end it there. Ministry